Good morning, everybody. We are starting a new lesson series today. It is called Decisions That Will Change Your Life. So over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about some decisions that will change your life. So as always, I start with a story. And in 1954, Martin Luther King Jr. had just finished his doctrinal studies at Boston University. And one of his professors described him as a scholar's scholar. He said that King was one of the top five graduate students that he had ever taught and that the man was capable of creative and powerful scholarship. And believe it or not, when uh, Dr. King was graduating... That's what he wanted to do. His highest goal, his dream was to teach theology in a college or in a seminary. And in fact, he had uh, multiple offers to go and do just that when he graduated. But there was something on the inside of him that was pulling him elsewhere. There was something on the inside of him that was telling him he needed to go elsewhere. So what he decided to do was that he was going to pastor for a few years, and then he would go and start his teaching career. Because as he wrote in one of his, his own uh, papers there in college, you don't preach knowledge, you use knowledge to preach. And he knew that he was called to preach. He knew that he was called to preach the gospel. And he knew that he was called to preach in the South. Now, he interviewed with churches up north. But once again, he felt compelled to take the church that was offered to him in the South. He and his wife were both Southerners. And they had lived in the relative freedom of the North at that time. And neither one of them were overly excited about moving back to a segregated South and having to deal with that humiliation on a daily basis. But he knew he had to go. He had to go because he knew that he needed to put into practice the things that he had been taught. He had to go because he knew that the gospel was the truest hope for a downtrodden people. He had to go because he knew just waiting on things to change had never caused anything to change. He knew he had to go. He understood that sometimes... You go, not because you want to, but because it's better for the kingdom, and it's better for those around you. Like I said, we're starting a new lesson series this morning, Decisions That Will Change Your Life, and today we're going to look at the decision to go, to go. I'm not necessarily talking about a change in location. 
can be at times. But what I'm really talking about is having the, the willingness, the desire that when God says act, when God says move, when God says go, we go. Psalm 71, 16. I will go in the strength of the Lord. I will make mention of your righteousness, of yours only. So I want to look this morning at, at four instances in the Bible when someone or, or some people are instructed to go, and I want us to see what can we learn from each of those instances. And these are going to be very familiar passages of Scripture. You're going to know the stories more than likely. If you grew up in church, you know these stories. And it's okay sometimes just to go and grab those stories that we already know and just try to squeeze a little bit more out of it, right? Okay, so uh, first one here in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. We read where it says, the Lord said to Abram, and if you're not aware, Abram does become Abraham. So I will say Abraham, and you're going, uh, why does he keep calling him Abraham when it's Abram? Abraham does become Abraham. So now the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives, from your father's house, and go to a land which I will show you. In other words, he didn't know where he was going. So the first thing that we can learn, the first thing about go that we can learn is that we got to go in faith. You have to go in faith. Abraham didn't know where he was going, but he had faith in God. And sometimes we have to have faith that God is speaking to me. Notice Scripture says, now the Lord said to Abraham, the Lord said, the Lord spoke to him. I don't know why we live in a day and time where people look at you funny when you say, the Lord told me. Is God still God? Is the God that, that spoke to Abraham the God that we serve? And in fact, we're filled with his spirit now, so we should be more likely to hear God speak to us. And we need to have faith that God is going to speak to me and then have faith that when he speaks, I can hear. That I can hear God speak to me. He is speaking. We want to hear. But here's a big one. You have to have faith that you're worthy to be spoken to. I see so many people dragging around shame and junk, and they think because of their past. Now, when is your past your past? The moment, the moment, can you say moment? The moment that, that it has passed, it is now past. We think that we have to live in some kind of uh, spiritual purgatory or we're, we're having to do some kind of uh, uh, religious uh, penance for something. But the moments that it's past, it's past. And when is it past? The moment I say, Lord, I know that I made a mistake. And I'm going after you. It is now. 
your past. You're worthy of being spoken to. Stop dragging that stuff around with you. When you had faith, we need to have faith when you don't know why, you don't know when, and you don't know where. Abraham didn't know. Abraham didn't know. I got saved in college. I got saved in, in the fall semester of my sophomore year in college. And the moment that I was saved, I'm going to be real honest with you, the reason I didn't get saved before was because I was afraid God was going to make me a preacher because my daddy was a preacher and my granddaddy was a preacher. So the moment that I said yes to the Lord, I knew what was coming with it. So I already began to make uh, plans to transfer to the only college that was on my list. I only had one college on my list. I'm going to this college. I'm going to finish my degree, and I'm going into ministry because God has called me to ministry. I applied to the college. I was accepted to the college. I had a dorm room assigned to me. I had a roommate all I had to do was sign on the dotted line for the uh, financial aid, and I was in. One month before school started, I'm walking through my parents' house, and I see a magazine laying there, and it was a magazine from a ministry who had a Bible school, and there on the front of that magazine was a picture of their graduating class for that year, and the moment I looked at it, something grabbed my heart. And I said, absolutely not. There ain't no way. No way, Lord. But the Lord kept pressing on me. Right there in the magazine, there was an application for this Bible school. I pulled that application out and I started looking at it. And the first thing it said up at the top was, it takes six weeks Six weeks for your application to be approved. And I went, Lord, I got you. It's only four weeks till school starts. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, Lord, I know this is just a test of my heart. You just wanted to see if I would be faithful. I filled it out. I sent it in. Two weeks later, I get an acceptance uh, letter from this school. That I didn't want to go to. <laughs> I'm laying in the bed. I was supposed to get up. I was supposed to drive to Tulsa, Oklahoma the very next day and go and, and register for the college that I wanted to go to. And I'm laying in bed, and Lord is just pressing on me, pressing on me, pressing on me. And I said, Okay, Lord. Okay, Lord. I'll do what you tell me to do. Here's the fun part. The school that he called me to go to is about 10 miles from the school I wanted to go to. To get to it, you had to drive right by the <laughs> university. But I went to the school that the Lord asked me to go to, and I'm still not exactly sure why, but I did meet a beautiful green-eyed Georgia girl and that decision changed my life. <laughs> we need to have faith even when, when, we, when we're concerned that we might be wrong. 
Have you ever heard that? I've seen people, they won't step out, they won't move, because what if I'm wrong? What if I'm wrong? What if I do something wrong? Well, guess what? God can fix your wrong. God's not afraid of you stepping out and making a mistake. Just step out. Just move. Just go. If God needs to correct us, he'll correct us. He'll speak to you. It may be through your wife, but he will speak to you. Just remember, (laughs) even if you're wrong, he's got you. Moses had fled Egypt, and he went to a land called Midian. And he was there for 40 years when the Lord spoke to him about going back to Egypt and telling Pharaoh, let my people go. And Moses said, I don't speak well. Send someone else. And this is where we pick it up in Exodus 4, verse 12. Moses had just said, send somebody else. I don't speak well. And the Lord here speaking said, now then I go and I, even I, will be in your mouth. Even I will be in your mouth and teach you what you are to say. So here's the second thing we can learn about going. Go with courage. Go with courage. Mark Twain said, courage is the resistance of fear, not the absence of fear. The resistance of fear, not the absence of fear. Moses was afraid That he would say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, do it the wrong way. And he was saying, Lord, please send somebody else. But God had uniquely created Moses. He had uniquely equipped Moses for a certain destiny. And guess what? He's done the same thing for you. You have right now everything that you need to go. If you go back to the beginning of Exodus 4 there in verse 1, it says, Then Moses said, What if they will not believe me or listen to what I say? For they may say, The Lord has not appeared to you. The Lord said to him, What's in your hand? He said, A staff. The same staff that he would take with him back to Egypt and stretch out and the Lord would bring plagues on Egypt. The same staff that he would carry with him to the Red Sea that he would stretch out and God would split the Red Sea. The same staff that he had with him in the wilderness that he struck the rock with and water flowed from the rock. He already had what he needed. And if he didn't, God would give it to him. The staff wasn't magic, obviously. The staff was just a symbol of God's ability. It was a representation of God being ever-present and all-powerful. But think about this. Moses had the staff before he had the go before he had the direction, before God had spoken to him, he already had what he needed. God, had, God is already putting in you what's needed to set people free. We go with courage knowing that what may be lacking in us will be made up by the presence and the power 
of Jesus. Desmond Doss was a World War II Army medic. He was also a conscientious objector uh, on religious beliefs. And he didn't carry a weapon while he was in the army. He didn't carry a weapon while the battle was raging around him. And because of this, he was uh, ostracized and ridiculed by his fellow servicemen. But Doss risked his own life when his battalion was, was overrun by the enemy. And they were forced to retreat back down a a 50-foot sheer cliff that they had to scale to get up and go into battle. Now they had just been forced back down. Doss insisted on staying up top by himself, without a weapon, dodging the enemy's bullets and patrols to save wounded soldiers. The same soldiers that had ridiculed him and ostracized him. He went and he began to pull these men, sometimes over 100 yards, to the edge of that cliff. And using a rope, he would lower them down. You may have seen this story in the movie Hacksaw Ridge. Officially... The army said that he saved 75 soldiers. Eyewitnesses say it was closer to 100. And each time he would drag a soldier over there and begin to lower him down with that rope, exhausted and his hands torn to shreds because of rope burn, he prayed a simple prayer. Lord, help me get one more. Do we have the courage to pray that same prayer? Lord, help me get one more. One more person that just needs to be prayed for. That might be your go today. Pray for somebody. And they may be across the aisle here or across the sanctuary here. They may be across your, your office at work. They may be across a, a classroom They may be in line at Walmart. Do we have the courage to pray? Lord, help me get one more. One more person that just needs to know that Jesus loves them. One more person that needs to hear. Not every church is like that church that hurts you. Courage says go. Courage says step out. Courage says move on behalf of someone else. So we have faith and we have courage. So now moving on to 1 Samuel 17. Once again, a very familiar story. 1 Samuel 17, verse 32. And David said to Saul... Let no man's heart fail on account of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. Then Saul said to David, you're not able to go against this Philistine and fight with him. For you're but a youth, and he's been a warrior from his youth. 
But David said to Saul, Your servant was tending his father's sheep when the lion or a bear came and took the lamb from the flock. And I went out after him and attacked him and rescued it from his mouth. And when he rose up against me, I seized him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear and this uncircumcised Philistine. You understand when he says that, what he's saying is this person over there has no covenant with God. This person who has no covenant with God will be like one of them since he has taunted the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And he obviously preached such a good message that Saul jumped up and said, Go! Go and may the Lord be with you. So understand, I'm just summarizing right here. David said, I'll go. Saul said, you can't go. David said, I can go because I have confidence. I have confidence in what the Lord has done in the past that he will do now. And Saul said, go. So here's the third thing that we can learn. In our go, let's go with confidence. Faith plus courage equals confidence. It's not confidence in in me. It's not confidence in my ability. And confidence isn't the the absence of any lingering questions, because we're always going to have questions. It's a knowing that he has proven himself over and over, and we have confidence that he'll do it again. So, Here's a really long story to get to a short point, but here we go. Like I said, uh, I, I was in college when I got saved, but before I got saved, when I went to college, I had played football all through, all through high school, and, you know, I know I'm just shy of six feet and, and you know, at the time just shy of 200 pounds. Uh, I've eclipsed that now. But on the inside, I was always like 6'4", 230. You know, I'd hit you. Because I knew sooner or later you'd probably hit me. But I just, I, I just wanted to play. I just wanted to play. I was too little to play college football. So I went to a college that wasn't far from my hometown in that, uh, that fall semester. And I sat next to a guy. He's a little scrawny guy. He was kind of a little weird, nerdy guy too. But because I, have, I just have a need to talk to everybody, I started talking to him. He tells me he's on the football team. I'm like, you're on the football team. I said, did you get recruited? No. I just went to the coach and said, I want to try out for the team. Said, did you play in high school? No, I never even played. And I'm going, if this guy can get on the football team, I can get on the football team. And they were really bad, so they needed me. I went and found a coach, and I said, I want to try out for the football team. He looked me up and down. He said, what, what position do you play? I said, tight end. He was like, okay. I'm a little short for a tight end. He said, how fast are you? And in that moment, I was a little bit faster than I really was. But he was impressed with, my, with my, the speed I told him. <laughs> and he said, okay, I'm going to make a phone call. I want you to go over to this building. I want you to talk to this man. He sent me over to talk to the head coach. 
And I went, went in and I basically did what David did to Saul. I went in and told him how awesome I was and how good this was going to be and all this was going to happen. He said, okay, you can try out for the team. So I went and tried out for the team and I made the team. But the thing is that uh, I, I got hurt so many times. I'd never been hurt playing football. But in, the, in that one semester that I was on a college football team, I got hurt. I broke my hand. I pulled a hamstring, and I tore a muscle in my leg. I tore uh, the muscle that's here on the front of, uh, of your leg, and I thought it was shin splints. And, you know, back then, our saying was, no pain, no gain. So I had to make this team. So I kept pushing through the pain. I kept playing through the pain. But when suddenly we didn't have practice... And I had a few weeks off. I was just going to let it heal. I wasn't going to run. I was just going to let it heal. But what happened was it got worse. It got worse. I mean, it got to where I could not even flex my, my, my foot. And I'm walking around with lots of pain and a limp. So I thought, I've got to go to the doctor. So I went to the doctor. And the doctor went, yep, you tore this, this muscle right here. He said, and when you gave it time to heal, what happened was it formed a cyst because it was protecting itself. And he said, I bet you're in a lot of pain. I said, I am. I said, what are you going to do about it? He said, there's nothing I can do about it. I mean, what do you mean there's nothing you can do about it? He goes, man, you're just going to have to live with this. Live with this. He said, yeah, you're going to live with this. You're going to live with the pain. You may have a limp for the rest of your life. Okay. Fast forward a year. In that year, I got saved. In this year, I've, I've, you know, Applied to the college I was going to go to, but went to the college that God told me to go to. And it had gotten where it had loosened up enough that I could walk without a noticeable limp, but I couldn't run. Couldn't run at all. First semester, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, the class I'm sitting in is Christ the Healer. So for a whole semester, I'm sitting there and I'm listening to the covenant of healing. I'm listening to scripture just being poured out on healing. And I'm just soaking it up. I'm not even thinking about my leg. I'm just soaking it up. So we get six, eight weeks in there somewhere, and it gets to be football season, and some of the guys say, hey, we're going to go play football tomorrow. You want to go? And I started to say, well, no, I can't because I can't run. But I just stopped, and I said, yeah, I want to go. I want to go. And I walked, I walked out there the next day. It was a crisp November morning, a little nervous, but I started running, and there was no pain. God had healed me, and I hadn't even asked him to do it because that's the kind of God he is. But I told that whole long, really, really long story to tell you that I had already seen God heal my body. So when I'm laying in a hospital bed and the doctor's saying, you might die, I'm going, I've already faced this bear. I've already faced this lion. This giant is not going to do anything. There comes confidence 
confidence in seeing God do things in our lives. That's why we need to follow him in the small things. Because sooner or later, Goliath is going to show up. Here's another thing to think of. Nowhere does it say in the Bible that God told David to go. But David knew God's character. And he had confidence in God's character. 2 Timothy 1.12 says, For this reason I also suffer these things. But I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And I'm convinced that he is able to guard that, what I entrusted to him until this day. When you know what you believe and you know who you believe, there will be confidence. So when there's confidence, we don't always have to have a direct word. If I see somebody that needs help, I can reach out to help without going, you got to help. There's sometimes he does say, go help. But I know his character enough to just reach out and go help. All right, last one here. We go in faith, we go with courage and confidence, which allows us to go with purpose. Go with purpose. You, you, you. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care uh, what situations have been in your life. You were created with purpose. You're on this planet at this very time for this specific purpose of advancing the kingdom of God. Therefore, when we go to work, we go with purpose. When we go to school, we go with purpose. When we go to the store, we go with purpose. Wherever we go, we go with purpose. David's go had a purpose. And he demonstrated that God's character is to defeat the enemy that harasses his people. Moses' go had a purpose. And he showed that the power of God will set captives free. Abraham's go had a purpose and proved that God fulfills his promises. So what's your go? What's your go? Whatever it is, there's purpose in it. Your go may not be easy. Abraham's wasn't easy. He had to leave family. He had to leave the familiar. Moses' go was not easy. He had to go back to a place of failure. And David's go wasn't easy. He had to face the giant obstacle that was in his life. So what's your go? You've got one. God's always leading us to the next step. God is always leading us one place further in our Jesus journey. There's always a go. Mine may not look like yours, but we can all go in faith and courage and confidence. You know, Martin Luther King Jr. never became a college professor. He never taught theology like he wanted to, but his go 
had purpose and it impacted people and politics and policy locally, nationally, and even internationally. It wasn't the quiet life that he had dreamed of. I'm going to mess with your head a little bit. All these plans that we usually make for us, God just comes messes them all up because he has a bigger plan for you. So he didn't get the quiet life he had dreamed of, but he had faith in God's leading. And he had the courage to step into chaos and, in, and to face hatred that I can't even fathom. And he had confidence in God that his purpose, his go, was going to make a difference. So your go may not even seem to be on the same scale as MLK's, but with God, it will make a difference, even if the difference is just a difference in you. So what do I want you to know? Your decision to go will change your life. What do I want you to feel? A sense of excitement. I don't want you to feel a sense of, uh, of terror or dread. Sometimes when God speaks to us too about things, we're going like, ah, oh, I don't want you to feel that. I want you to feel an excitement that a God adventure is in your near future. And what do I want you to do? I want you to go. I want you to go with faith. I want you to go with courage. And I want you to go with confidence.